0: Hello and welcome to Pop Moses Film and the last of our Halloween special spectacular extravaganza, ultimate <laughs> picnic. I don't know uh, how picnic came in there. Exactly. I was looking for a word. You know, I, I was looking for a word, and I didn't want to not say one. And picnic <laughs> is what the, the worst possible answer you can use that word. But welcome to Popmoses Film, the podcast that asks the question: What happens when a fan, a writer, and a critic get together to talk about films? That's what we do. I am the writer in that trio. I am Josiah, and I am joined, as always, by
1: Paul <laughs> and <laughs> and Tyler, the 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 ex critic.
2: The process of elimination on the other guy,
1: but you're going to school for animation, so like you'll be like I feel like after a while you're gonna be so critical on things, especially
2: like like special. Oh, I mean, it's already job. happening. It's already <laughs> happening.
0: So. No, totally. We'll just have to, uh, yeah, we'll just have to uh, delete all the old episodes. You take three
1: classes, and now, and Pixar is completely ruined for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like that one, that one, that one psychology I took as a freshman. That like, yeah, I figured everything out, and still have it all figured out. I didn't need more than that. I just that one class. <laughs> yeah. One. So, my question for you guys: I have a question for you guys. Have you ever been on a hayride? Tyler, you're from Texas. You've had yes, been on a I
1: have. I have been on a hayride. Unfortunately,
0: I haven't been on a hayride. Paul's the West Coaster. I realize that. Our podcast from uh Geographically, we kind of dig into oh, yeah. the country here. Oh, that's right. Have you guys ever been on a haunt hayride? No,
1: I never was allowed to when I was a kid. <laughs> and then and then like when I guess I could make my own decision, I didn't want to go on a hayride.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably me, my junior year of high school, we decided, myself and a group of friends, and we were all like the filmmaker creative types, right? My buddy hmm. Josh, who is an actor in L.A., and, and uh, we got together with a group of our other friends to create our own scene from the Haunted Hayride. And we've, you know, we had big <laughs> ambitions. So the first night we, we being me, I kind of conceived a zombie sequence. The first mm. night that we did it, it sucked horribly. So we had the idea, we dug these <laughs> holes. We had these holes and we had two people in the holes and they had, we, the idea was we'd have sheets over the holes covered with dirt and they'd pop up. Attack and I was the grave digger and they would attack me and then another zombie would attack the car and all that. I'm I'm singing songs grave digging. I would sing whatever songs people requested that I knew, and like, you know, like at the time, like, like, like Barbie Girl. And
2: I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. I think
0: of late night. No, seriously, what late '90s songs? We're like, like, were like the
2: Macarena involved in some way.
0: That, that Ghetto Superstar oh was a popular one. You know, oh, I remember that one now. So stuff like that. And I would sing the song and then I'd get attacked by my buddy, my buddy Watson zombie. And then the other zombie would uh, would come out of the ground to go after the, the hayride. And if he's going after the hayride from like the, the other side. Josh specifically, my buddy Josh, the actor, would come and go on the cart. The First two nights, he pulled a girl off the cart. Right. And it, that was our plant. Right. Like our, you know, oh, she was just okay. out for the you scared, ride. Get out of
1: me right there for a split second. <laughs>
0: Not some random girl, but people thought it like the first time we did it, people like got off and like, is she okay? And we're like, you're kidding, right? It's part of the whole thing like we're doing here. And we take that person off and then you drive a little bit further down and we would have so the group was all guys except for the girl that got pulled off. And then you drive further down and there was this weird shack kind of thing. And that shack kind of thing actually had uh, like a little roof on it. On top of that roof, another friend of mine, uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rapucci Pooch, as we called him, Pooch was up on top. And he was, you know, devouring that poor girl. And he was the zombie sequence. And he and they, like, we figured out things with, like, rice to look like maggots. Ours was getting buzzed, but from the other groups, like, people would come to see our scene. And we were kind of, like, unaware. Like, you're in this bubble where you're just trying to make your own thing better. And then so people are, there's, there's word of mouth around our sequence. The third night, the girl that we pulled off the cart got sick. She couldn't show up, show up, right? So you don't have the part where the girl gets pulled off anymore. Instead, he, Josh would just kind of attack the side of the cart and then it would drive down and you'd see another zombie. In our mind, it's all one big sequence. So then they, like, they announced, they're so like, you know, sometimes you don't need elaborate things to make a scary, spooky sequence. And second place is the zombie eating the girl. And we looked, I remember Pooch and I looked at each other and I'm like, go up and take the prize. So he went up and took the prize. And we just thought, take what we can get. We had, we had no way in the world thought what would obviously happen next when our other scene won first place. So the judge, because the girl was not there, thought that we were two separate scenes, but we were actually one. So we were just like blown away when we won it. Plus we won second place. So part of our scene was better than everybody else's. So all of that, my zombie glory... Is the segue in today's film, which came six, seven years after that. I don't know, but probably not that many. Two thousand four, probably about five years after that. Zack Snyder's remake of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. So we are going to talk about that film today, and it's an interesting sort of flow of zombie history. So zombies were kind of out of favor throughout most of you know all through the after the eighties, nineties, the nineties uh, especially but then resident evil the video game happened and that really started things and then eventually the resident evil movie 28 days later even and, though, and and
1: that other arcade game like uh the house of house uh, of the dead house of the dead house of the dead had huge um, impact
0: no it, it totally was uh and that that came out um so actually House of the Dead by the way had an impact on this movie. House of the Dead was also a Universal film. This was Universal. House of the Dead didn't do well, so they cut the budget on uh, this Dawn of the Dead significantly because that one didn't do well. So they didn't want to put it risk out as much money. It was going to have a bigger budget, but when House of the Dead didn't do well, they pulled back cuz uh, Resident Evil came out in 2002, I believe, and that did really well, and that led to a lot of other sort of the the Steamroll zombie stuff. Twenty eight days later, uh Resident Evil were probably the big kickers in it. And uh so, two thousand four. Back page of my notes, March nineteenth, two thousand four. Specifically, this movie premiered, and I remember going to see it in the theater with my friend Jesse. And it had a budget of twenty six million, and it opened at twenty six million. So that's pretty good for. Uh, a zombie movie remake. Automatic,
1: it's an automatic, yeah, don't they, like, I think, like, Kevin Smith, I think, uh, talks about it on one of his evenings, but it's, like, if you do break even at all, that's a win, but if you do on your first night, you, you, like, like, you've essentially, like, you you made a hit, right? No, totally, yeah, because, yeah,
0: because you're, yeah, that's the point where you're guaranteed, okay, you're going to make money. Yeah. You know, so, but the, and the budget was 59 million, so, I'm sorry, the, the budget was 26 million. The total U.S. gross was 59 million, and the worldwide yeah. was, was 102 million. So the movie uh, it it did what it needed to do uh, in terms of financial success. So uh, it was directed, as I mentioned, by Zack Snyder, who, interestingly enough, the one connection to Romero is he came up in commercials as well, Zack Snyder, and then music videos. And I think this. Zack Snyder certainly has a music music video vibe in all of his films. You definitely feel it in this film in particular. There's at least two sequences that are like music videos straight up. And um, including Soul Asylum, Asylum, Somebody to Shove, personal favorite of mine. It was written by James Gunn, which I did not realize until I like looked it up to do the research for this. And I didn't realize James Gunn wrote like the Scooby-Doo movies. He, he received death threats. Yeah. For this film, <laughs> I had no yeah, idea. The, yeah,
1: they're like, they're like the guy—the guy who ruined Scooby doo was going to write Dawn of the Dead* or something like that. Like it was huge deals. I—it I, was funny because like I was—it was, it was fun, before I watched rewatch this movie because I saw this movie years ago, not not around 2004. Like I would say roughly around 2008, 2010 era, um, and because my friend, one of my best friends at the time, Jason, had like his own little home theater system set up, like a projector and everything, and so. um I, I was doing the article for the episode prior, like earlier this month, because I was just I was just knocking out all this month articles for like everything, and I was like, and I looked go James Gunn, I go that's funny, like I was like there's two James Gunn's. and then I looked more into it, and I was like, oh no, there's still just one James Gunn. What the hell? It's kind of like the same thing with um Joss Whedon and Toy Story. I mean, like I like when I found out that he wrote Toy Story one, that's crazy to me.
0: Yeah, well, at the time, though, Joss Whedon was, like, even because of the Buffy uh, feature, he was the hot young guy even before the Buffy series. Like, that did made it, make him a hot – like, he was the hot rewrite right. guy at that time, too. James yeah. Gunn, though, was, like – James Gunn was writing – movie like he started in with trolla films like doing yeah. trolla stuff which which is crazy to think now that the traje- the, the trajectory his career has taken um so it also has uh, uncredited re- rewrites by Scott Frank and Michael Tolkien so those guys were not credited but they did do rewrites on it and it was produced by Mark Abram Richard Rubenstein, who we talked about on our Dawn episode, and Eric Newman. Now, apparently, what I understand is I Eric Newman. From the, what I read, is that Eric Newman sweet talked Rubenstein into giving him the rights to make the sequel, or to make the remake, rather. So I thought that was interesting. And that's how it was described in in a in a book that I I have. It's like a zombie history comprehensive thing where it's sweet talked him. Those are the words it uses. It doesn't go into more detail, but. Apparently. So I think Rubenstein wasn't really involved in this one functionally, but he got the producer credit where it seemed to be Eric Newman was really the, the boots on the ground producer. So that is a bit of our backstory and plus a lot of my backstory on Hay Rides. And so first thing I want to talk about, we'll just we'll just jump around a bit. But I think one of the significant contributions to this movie and this era of zombie films is Fast Zombies. So what do you guys think about Fast Zombies?
1: Oh man, see, like that was funny. Like I, I, like not not saying I didn't want to talk about this now, but there was like so many other things I wanted to talk about this movie. Can we like maybe like back like backtrace a little bit into it? Where like there was a whole thing where like George Romero was very upset about even the possibility of a remake, but came to terms with it when like Zach Snyder was making it. And I remember like um like when this when this was coming about, that was the whole thing where everybody was like begging for George Romero's blessing uh once they were making this because we back then we didn't the internet was kind of prevalent but i mean it wasn't you didn't see anything like a classic movie being remade like this like where that's kind of normal nowadays where we get you know tron well, tron sequence and shit <laughs> well
0: what from romero i'm not delighted that it's happening yeah i don't i don't have anything to against it i just thought it wasn't a very good idea that's what, oh i've heard i've i i I heard that he after the fact i've never i couldn't find any quotes to verify it, but I heard after the fact that he didn't like hate it but yeah. the, the real problem is why Romero would like it is he made no money off of it it was yeah. so so even when he was trying to get um his so in the nineties he was trying to make his fourth zombie film, which would have been called Dead Reckoning, which eventually became land of the dead and the uh, and direct as this right around the same time this happened that uh land of the dead happened all things happened he was trying to get his zombie film made and so they're making i I think i think my my thoughts is he's just a little bitter that and he Mm. couldn't get the resident evil film made he got fired from that so my thoughts are he just made a little bit bitter or hurt that they're remaking his film when he's having trouble financing something new you know i actually don't blame him though no, I don't either, and he's not making any money on it. He yeah, like oh, okay. was not financially connected. Well, he
2: didn't to have anything. the rights or anything like that. He didn't no, have he any rights.
0: That's why. Yeah. Oh, I that's remember. right. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that on the Dawn episode. So, the, the, the that's seven, heartbreaking. Dawn, Dawn seventy eight.
1: Yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to backtrack. I just thought that.
0: Oh no, like, no, totally. Like, that's Absolutely, so weird yeah. because I, I guess because you know what you know what Tyler. The funny thing is, all that's in my notes, <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's applicable here. I I wrote all these notes down. I mean, I wrote that quote, and I'm like, oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> so. It's
1: it, it, it's it's fascinating because I went from seeing this film first to, you know, earlier this month watching Dawn of the Dead, the original, to going back and revisiting this film, and boy are my arms tired no uh, but like it, it is this movie was kind of a mindfuck now that i saw a brilliant brilliant zombie film of dawn of the dead original and seeing a movie where that got certain things right and certain things not so right and it's it, i don't want to say i dislike this movie at all i don't think i, I also don't want to say that Zack snyder hit the mark this movie, though, compared to seeing the original one it's 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 night and day, but also redeemable in some certain aspects but also, I guess the other thing for me is this is not a remake like at all. The only thing is there's a mall and a bus, and pretty much yeah that's I, think, it. I
2: think the only thing that they share is the name and then, yeah the, that they're in a mall, it's just a location, but none of the characters are the same and in fact, if you what I think is kind of why I think this remake works really well is because it actually is changing genres. It's not horror. It's actually an action film. If you think about it, it's not a horror film at all. And so that's yeah. why I think it works so well because it it's like doing a different genre in the way like Alien and Aliens. They're very different genres. Like Alien is horror, or sci-fi horror, and then uh, yeah. Aliens is an action movie more like. So I think that the reason why this remake it works so well is because they kind of they did the same thing here. And and because d- by doing that, um, they don't invite comparisons to a classic film. So I think it was a, a smart move on on their part. And I agree, uh, I agree with you a thousand percent.
0: Well, qu- qu- quick on that, uh, Zack Snyder quote: uh, "This oh, is a re- yeah, this is a re- envisioning <laughs> a classic." There was not, there is not, a reason to remake Dawn of the Dead*. That's not what we set out to do. Not what any of us wanted, even though you did. There are some of uh, there are some amazing updates, to some great films. I love Kaufman's *Invasions of the Body Snatchers*, Carpenter's *The Thing*, Cronenberg's *The Fly*. They're great movies that add to rather that add to rather than diminish the original films. We really saw this as a chance to continue the zombie genre for a new audience, which is actually so. All that is actually my my zombie speed question was actually intentional in that because oh, I apologize. No, no, it, I was I was trying to get to uh, Romero. So because Romero hates fast zombies. He, he disagrees with fast zombies. And watching this film, I, I agree with him. And I was watching it with Judy. And it's funny because they're not as scary when they're fast. I know that's strange and it seems counterintuitive, oh, yeah. but it's not there's, as scary.
2: Yeah, honestly, if you want scary, do something slow. Like Alien, when the alien's moving slow in the first one, it's scary. But when they're you know, zipping around everything, it's not as scary. If you want action, you do fast. If you want horror, you do slow.
1: You know, it also works with Paranormal Activity. Like, when they started going faster, you're just like, all right, you're losing me. And also, like, what we talked about um before, the Saw franchise, like, Saw 1 was like, what's going on? Everything was really, really slow. And then as the movies kept, like, going, they got more about, like, more deaths and more people, and it just went so fast. And you're like, I'm not really scared anymore. Like, with the first one. Because was-
2: your brain... Yeah, for something to be horror, your brain has to process what's happening, and if things zipping around and obscure, like you can't process it in your brain, and so it's like, what the hell's going on? And that's why, like, something like The Shining works so effectively is because you see a reaction shot before you see the actual thing, like the twins or whatever, and then you see the twins and and like focuses on them, and and you like process it, and you're like, holy shit, look at those Grady twins, they're fucking terrifying, you know it, and it like, like again like I say before in a lot of other movies, like take some time to breathe and let the audience like understand what's going on. Um, and not to say that this is like a bad movie by any makes. I, I think that as far as remakes, like this is one of the stronger remakes because, because it changes genres. And I think the um, fast zombie thing actually works to its benefit um, because it's, it, 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 it's something different than the original. Um, I personally am okay with the fast zombie thing. Um, I know that it all started from 28 Days Later with the Fast Zombies. And I think if used effectively, I, I think it could actually work really well. And, and I think it worked really well on this. I think it worked well in 20 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later. Um, and, oh, actually, I rewatched uh, World War Z. Uh, not as good. I would say the first, uh, whatever, the 20 minutes, like you guys were talking about, was pretty good. But then after they get off the, on the ship, it's like, I did not give a shit anymore. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, totally. He, like you can, fast zombies can work, um, but it's more, it, it by doing fast zombies, you're kind of changing genres. Um, and I think why like 20 Days Later is still considered horror, even though they have fast zombies, is because he's pretty much alone for a considerable amount of time. Like it's just, you know, a couple people, and it's like the human horror aspect. It's not really the zombies, it's more like what the military guys are trying to do with, uh, you know. um Naomi and you know, like all the characters, like it's more the human horror aspect. So, uh, and you don't really have that in this. You don't have the like the biker gang or anything like that. Um, they are so the biker gang. Well, yeah, I mean, the, essentially, like yeah, I, I, meant the this, I meant the zombies were because
1: they were fast. That's on. It. Sorry, I was making. It really yeah, yeah, sure.
2: and and you know, um, I don't know. It just, it just the movie works in a different way because it's a, an action movie. And, I want to say uh, some, yeah,
0: because. Thinking of that way helps me actually accept a little better that it works more as an action movie. But I think the problem I see is, I they were trying to make a horror movie. It's it's they want to make a horror movie, but I think Zack Snyder is a good action director. At his worst, he's a good action director. Like all of his films are entertaining on that level. Even when we talked about Sucker Punch, what works about it is that's about the only thing that works about it. And I think that that helps me with this movie. Yeah, this movie wants to be, I feel like a horror movie, but I think you're right. It's it's an action movie. And I think, I don't know if it was fully intentional for it to be, or if that was just the nature of Zack Snyder in particular, kind of going with his strengths as a filmmaker, which we would, you know, at this point, this is his first feature. After this, we would kind of, now we have a sense of the way he makes films. We didn't then, so...
1: Can I ask you both a question though? Like, so, like, I- I'm not a big fan of the fast zombies unless they're used well. And I actually think I agree with you with the 28 20 uh, 28 days and weeks later. I think that they are you utilized very well. I don't really think that they're. I, I-, I feel like in this movie, and this movie is more about. More, I guess more not grounded. That's not the right word. But I think some zombies are slow and like some exceptions are fast, like maybe depending on whatever that person's diet was when they were living and so, and, and how well they kept their body. I, I, I don't think that like a lot of them should be. I think there should be only a few of them, which is like kind of like what you see in video games. My question to you, though, Paul and Josiah, though, because you guys are both on the opposite uh, spectrum of the zombie speed. How do you guys feel about jump scares? Because I don't like jump scares because I feel like they're cheap and it's that fast thing that I don't want. Where I agree with you, Paul. Like for me, real horror is the slow. Somebody who turns around the corner and 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 like it, it's just yeah, it might like startle me, but I don't really enjoy it all that much. It's not that I don't know how. How do you two feel about jump scares?
0: Uh, uh- I'll go first here and I'll say I like the jump scare used very, very infrequently because I, I would like, I would cite one of the greatest jump scare examples in cinema history in Jaws, whenever they're exploring the boat and underwater and the face that comes in and he jumps back. But you don't have constant jump scares in that movie. It's the tension that builds, that that's why that scare gets you. Wait, so this you, movie, wait, would you consider that a jump scare or would you th- consider that as a payoff? No, that's a jump scare. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely a jump scare, I and mean, I think yeah. that, that's, that's I, the thing with uh, jump scares. Is, oh, go ahead, go ahead, I'll, but I'll... I was just
0: gonna say, in this movie, I think goes pretty heavily into unnecessary jump scares, and mm-hmm. I think that's why. What actually I was kind of getting at before is that why I think it wants to be a horror movie, more than an action movie. Uh, like now, like with Paul, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm accepting it a little bit more, and I and I like this movie a lot when I first saw it. I've probably not seen it maybe once or twice since. I might have owned it at the time on DVD or something, but I haven't seen it really in oh, well over you guys are going to hate
1: me. I watched it on my DVD, and guess what I had? Full screen. I am the worst. Um shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was you an idiot. Holy shit. I, going I, back in time. I, I was an idiot in high school. Let me just Was tell it you. even
2: anamorphic or anything like that, or was it like Dude, a little I, tiny... I, I a little tiny square in the middle of your it TV. It was pan
1: and scan, right? The old pan and scan days. Oh, it's so bad. It was Jesus so. Christ, man. Don't watch anything. DVD. Why was that family, an option? Was that like a family option?
2: Was that DVD like a family heirloom from your dad? No,
1: I I bought it. I remember. I bought it for two dollars at Walmart on Black Friday in two thousand eight. Man, <laughs> I or yeah, like I remember because I bought like I think I have over like two I think two thousand movies. So it's like. And I, most of them from either I worked at a place called Buybacks, or then you know at um at Walmart on Black Friday or, re- or like or like sales and stuff like that. So like it, I was stupid. I have so many full screen editions, and I I hate my life. Um, <laughs> now I'm depressed. Now I'm depressed. Thanks, Zack Schneider. No, I'm just kidding. No. Wow. Um,
0: <laughs> like poor Zach Schneider, we blame him for everything. We
1: blame, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You <laughs> made me buy full screen. <laughs> you just fault. make movies that are if they're worse kind of entertaining you son of a bitch Uh, Paul go back to uh, jump scares Paul what's
2: what's your oh I I think I think the thing is with jump scares is that um the the movies that have jump scares usually kind of overuse them and so it trains the audience to not get scared of them because it happens so often and so frequently kind of like a cheap thing to do um but it really works if it if you if you build up the tension and then like you're saying the jaws um you know example you really build attention and then it's like a payoff. Like if the jump scare scare has a payoff, then it's great. And I want to point an example actually with the thing, you know, the scene where they're doing uh, the blood test and you actually see, um, you know, you you actually see Kurt Russell's hand and he's like testing the blood. And so you see that one shot and he like tests the blood and like nothing happens. And then he tests the blood of like somebody else. And you see that, you know, the thing pop out and it's like it's really effective that jump scare. Mainly because you're trained already to know that okay, there's no from that shot that there's no danger, and then all of a sudden something happens and there's danger, like it's it's very unexpected and very like you're, you, there's so much tension in that scene that when that happens and the thing reveals himself and he's like tied up to the other guys, it really like is that you know has an emotional release. It's like holy shit, and and I think the the jump scares shouldn't just Happen and then, it needs to simmer. It needs to like things need to happen afterwards to have to to make for that jump scare to make sense or to or keep attention high.
1: You want the characters who are alive to assess what just happened and process, maybe.
2: Well, yeah, no, but, but but my example with the thing is that after that happened, after that jump scare, well, these guys were still tied to the thing. That one guy, you know, revealed himself to be the thing. And jumped up on the ceiling, and they're still in that situation. Like they're still, uh, you know, stuck with a thing and having had to deal with this alien. So it's like the the tent, like jump scares is like, is there t- to maintain that high, like to get you to the high place, but you're you're kept there, and so you're you're still like you, you put these characters put in a dilemma that they have to figure out, and so that's why the jump scare is effective because it brings them to that place suddenly, you know. Um, what and about so they... this
0: movie, I think, I think this movie does a lot. What, which is like that fake out jump scare, you know, the yeah. example where when the dog shows up and it's the fake out. Oh, and then you're safe, and then the real jump scare where a zombie comes. You know, I feel like this movie relies on that a bit heavily, and that's why it hurts the impact too. I, I think what I was trying
1: to ask, though, if there was like, if there was, if you can compare the differences between like i guess jump scares but i guess the yeah, jump scares have a different degree but i i think i was just basically c- comparing to like with me i don't really like jump scares unless like yeah there's there's a setup and it is actually really big on the story like i i hate the ones that just when there's a jump scare where somebody just turns a corner and they do the stupid music and everyone's like oh <laughs> you're not gonna kill me and then somebody kills them from like from the back and it's like it's just dumb and nobody then nobody even like talks about it i guess i was like my whole thing was maybe no, no, was, absolutely. I, think, I think i got I, lost in my own i got, I got lost and you know, maybe that, the, the that question a lot like, bigger you, than what i thought it
2: was in your example i mean that's a kind of a stupid way to do the jump scare because there's no it's like an empty threat it doesn't nothing happens but the whole purpose of doing a jump scare is to ramp up the tension and if you wrap up the tension and maintain it it's effective like jump scares are you know it, it can it, there's there is a place for it it's a good trick to use, but I think people a lot of directors don't know how to use it in the right way. And 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 so that's why I, I'm making the claim that this is more an action movie than a horror movie because it it has these horror movie tropes, but it has a film language of being an action movie with all the guns and like they're super buff and there's like fire everywhere. And yeah, they're like,
0: it, it Red, works. The redneck guy is like a security guard because, of course, like, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I think it has the, the cinematic language being a music video, and you can really see that Zack Snyder came from that world to this world. But this is his first feature, and he was relying on how he made it based on what he knew there. And that's I think true. that's by like the way it's paced, the way it's edited, you know, everything's like. Oh, there, the and there's, there's like I said, there's two sequences, uh, like when they're building the trucks and getting ready. And then there's an earlier one when they're it's like it's the equivalent of the George Romero's long, beautifully drawn out sequence where the characters are in the mall and when um the character escapes me, but the the guy who you know gets bitten becomes a zombie he, when he is wasting slowly away. Whereas, oh, they have, uh, you know, every moment in this movie is... Oh, like, Roger, right? Roger, Roger, thank you. Every moment in this movie though is where it has to happen instantly. Like the equivalent when they show up and like, okay, who was bit? Oh, your dad was bit? Okay, we're going to have to shoot you right now. I love that actor too. And he turns <laughs> yeah. and gets shot. And, and, and like, yeah. yeah, and why not just like pace it out through the editing? They were going to be in the mall a little longer. They could have had him tra- like I, I will say they did the pacing part with Micaiah F-
1: Pfeiffer's wife.
0: No, you're right. And I was actually going to say, so I, I, right. I I'm kind of like, I, I, no, totally. But, but let's like, so like, I, I literally, the way I like was like conceiving this was kind of getting my gripes out of the way and wanted to talk about the things that really worked. So let's jump on one of the things that really worked, which is I think the, first of all, well, can I, can this I put again, a gripe out there? Oh yeah, I can gripes the... away before we get to the non-gripes. Yeah, let me get the, okay, I mean, so I have way more my, gripes that I could use too. So.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, I think the problem this movie has is that there's way too many characters and, that was my next then, thing.
0: That was my next... You guys yeah.
2: are reading my notes. Hopefully and people... people are, uh,
0: yeah. well,
1: and for me, it's the people are too stupid. Like... Yes. Well, like the problem is
2: stupid. that the stronger characters, you don't have enough time with them, and then the weaker characters, when they die, you don't really feel anything because you don't know them very well, including, like, uh, that dad, Matt Frewer. He just, like, shows up, and then five minutes later, he, he gets killed. Um, But the characters that are strong, like Michael and... Uh, Kenneth and Anna and CJ and and, and Ty Burrell, you know, before pre, pre-modern family, great characters, really, really well done characters. If they just gave it more time with those characters, I think this would have been a stronger film. And so, you know, when they died or something happened to them, it would be much more effective. And so the, the first half of this movie is kind of front loaded with a bunch of characters dying that you don't know. And so you're not really attached to them in any way. And in fact, even like, um, the pregnant lady, he, he, like she has maybe a line and you don't know really anything about her. You don't really know anything about the um, Kai Pfeiffer, his character either. He just they both just die. Uh, and it's kind of a disservice to the movie that that happens. I feel like I agree,
1: actually I, I completely agree with you. And like I, I will. And like I think what Josiah was also getting at, I think that the Kai Pfeiffer and the wife thing works. However, I feel like they're, they're in the wrong movie, maybe a sequel. Like, maybe they should have been in Dawn of the Dead, too, if, is, because I, well, I'm well, I'm still shocked you, they didn't make a sequel. But, like, I feel like this movie just had so many different plots and stuff like that that they could have just cut the cast in half well, and told a story.
2: And my problem I specifically with those two characters is that they were kind of there from the beginning and then got no development, you know? Mm-hmm. All the other characters from the beginning, Michael, Kenneth, uh, Anna... Yeah, CJ. They all got development. They all got arcs, and then those two characters specifically, like Dennis. they were
1: there. They were there for honestly so, just to have a disgusting gore scene, that uh, gore porn essentially.
2: Like, yeah, the zombie baby.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have a lot. I have a lot to say about that scene that I think probably we should get into later. But like, I, I will agree with you. But like, they served a purpose, and it's a effect, it's effective to a certain degree. But yeah, I really think that they like this was just it was so much story, so many characters and and too much. It should have started off with like them kind of surviving, having like a couple people and then Frank in the other building, which I actually thought was very brilliant. I really, really loved it. I love the communication and like that. Like, I don't know. It was like a little bit of humanity. Oh, where
0: you mean Andy, the oh, gun star? Andy, on that I was going to say, yeah. though, that the the, the, the only... T- I felt like the reason that some of those other characters seem developed is because Sarah Polly, for example, is really good. Uh, really mm-hmm. good filmmaker as well. Really talented yeah. filmmaker. Great, um, great watched, director. Was away from her with Julie Christie. Fantastic film but that she directed. But I feel like the only two characters that really develop are um, Kenneth, Ving Rhames' character, and Andy. The, those are the only two that really have like true moment and it's and it's that's the crazy thing is that communicating through these signs on the roof and you get who, like more of who they are than just about anybody in the movie and without them like, saying
1: anything too which is which i thought was like really great
0: no exactly and then it's and it's just relied on being rames and his the, the and you know and often his subtle reactions to whatever sign that he responds and, and oh and yeah showing personality and you know
2: and that's and what's great about that scene is that um, all before that he was he was like oh I need to find my brother for pastor, and everybody's telling him that you know that for pastor's gone, don't go there. We need you, and he's like oh fuck y'all. And then he goes up to the roof and he sees Andy and he feels you know kind of bad. He feels, feels connection with him and he puts a sign up and he says uh, what you know, four pastor's gone. And then Andy says oh tell me something I haven't heard already. And he realizes that, yeah, he's he is needed here and he should stay with this group. And he forms a bond with Andy and it becomes yeah. like, so in that moment, in that one moment, he has, he completely changes his character. He has like a, a good arc in that one scene. And yeah, I think, yeah, his characters work so well because of that.
1: And I, I will say this also about Kenneth is that um the heartbreak of when um, Frank is starving, like just seeing him, skinny and dying you know essentially and dying slowly like he's broken too like it it it, it goes with him like how again like yeah like he was just like i'm gonna survive this i'm gonna get out of here to a point where he's just like he's caring for this other person that they just share signs and it's really grown in this film
2: and even the decision not to tell andy that um he's gonna become a zombie by being bitten yeah, You know, it's kind sort of an no, act of yeah.
0: and, and then, and then also, like, the beautiful moment. And then just the filmmaking decision. We give Zack Snyder credit for not being tempted to go over there with Andy. To show anything yeah. too close. It's completely really, alien. Great, such yeah. great restraints. Yeah, I, it was, and it worked. And then it, the payoff is really great. Because the sequence, which is my favorite part of the movie, is when they... Uh, this, the logic to get there is kind of stupid when they have to go to the sewer and then go over to the gun store to try to get the, the dog and the girl. Uh, yeah, my dog's the best character oh, yeah, know, I love when, I, do, I do love when they you know, That's just wonderful. I want to do that to Akira, my dog, sometimes. If I have zombies, I'm going to lower them from my uh, rooftop here. Anyway, but when they go yeah. over that sequence, then you when you first see him, he's now turned. I thought that that was great, great, great restraint um, Zack Snyder who that is certainly not the first word you'd use when describing some of his you know because he just usually you know Zack Snyder would be that kind of filmmaker you'd say is balls to the wall kind of thing like this film is very much balls to the wall like everywhere it, it, which is and it's yeah, that's what it should be
1: I feel like he's lost his way of showing and not telling and where again like we see Andy's story through signs and it's beautiful and it's really sad and heartbreaking and you and it's like that it's just your connection with him, just knowing that he's a human, he's starving, he's alone, and like it, you going over there, and then him, you know, saying things like, "You're like, oh yeah, try, Democrats can take my guns." I don't know. I'm just joking. He like he wouldn't say that in this in this in this climate. I'm just saying like, but like if I go over to his shop and in like you see like things that are irredeemable irredeem- about him, it, it takes that away from him, and it stops focusing so much on Kenneth. It, it stop it stops like there's like you know that. It would. It, it, I feel like if they went over and shown more of that character, you would have also cared less about Kenneth as 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 a character as well. No,
0: totally. I can see that. I can see that. But one thing, kind of talking about like the characters, like I was watching it and I was like, "There's just too many characters in here." And Judy was watching it with me, and she actually said, "There's so many characters that it was hard for her to follow." Like that was I, just. I watched it twice.
1: I forgot the old lady was in it until the birth scene. Like I legitimately yeah. <laughs> like she would, she would pop up both times. And I'd be like, wait, I don't remember this old lady. And then I watched the second time and like, I know you see her once before, but then like, yeah, then like oh, she's in there her and, her I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And then I wa- when I watched it again a couple of days later, you know, so I can have more notes for this movie and, and
0: have it refresh. I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about her last time too. Yeah. And it feels like I, one of the things I was th- thinking about that, what they almost, it felt like, A lot of the characters that were in this movie, other than the kind of the ones we've mentioned, um, were put in it in order to like almost have a death payoff. For the most part, like I really like like Final Destination was zombies. The old guy, the old guy and the girl that, um, you know, the modern Ty Burrell is having sex with. Those were like just there for that chainsaw sequence. It felt like they did nothing other than like, hey, that chainsaw chainsaw sequence
1: is so stupid.
0: And it felt like there were multiple, like a lot of those little B characters were there just to have something happen. And I think that just hurt. Then like the development of those characters that were good, there were and there was something there. Like the part where uh, was his, is his name Jake Weber. Um, yeah jake weber jake weber michael yeah michael Mm -hmm. thank you and he you know when he talks about you know uh like when their one sequence that could have been something special the dinner sequence that was just way too short just let it be a little bit longer this movie had a little you could have but given it some space that's that's our one character moment in this film where there's like they can relate and what and he has and he has a great character moment there and he's the only one who gets it you could have given it to another character here or there too there when he talks about you know i was a bad husband but i was like a good dad you know the cliche of me on this podcast is dad me josiah is now a father to two little girls i can't not see the world that way anymore so that stuff gets me, even if it's, like, maybe a cheap character little uh, nugget in there. But it works. and But nobody else got, like, even in that sequence, you could have just had it be a few minutes longer and given some things to other characters. You know, obviously, Sarah Pauly, she has the advantage that we follow her and her character. Uh, is it Anna or Anne? Yeah, Anna. Anna. We follow Anna. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Like, I can't, like, there's so many characters, I can't even get the name exactly right. So, Anna, Anna. Anna. She, you know, we follow her from the beginning, even before the outbreak, and then see her at the hospital and stuff. And so we know who she is because of those things. We see how she has witnesses her husband get bitten by the little neighbor girl, you know, and she has character like character development, because we experience it, but no one else really gets it. Everybody else is just like, they're walking. Oh, hey, there you are. Oh, the, These people pull up in a van. And you you don't give them anything for the most part. Like, and Tyra Burrell is great because he does so much, like, with the. I mean, obviously, the character is meant to be just the worst person, and he does a lot with it, though. I was really more impressed watching it back because I remember hating him the first time I saw it, and I realized, oh, you're supposed to. But it's because he's good (laughs) as an actor and really makes it sore. I love sarcasm, and it just kind of.
2: Gives a like a good layer of comedy to the whole, you know.
0: I never would have thought that Ty
1: Burrell would be a good asshole in a movie. I just never would have thought. Totally, like America's Dad.
0: (laughs) Um, it's funny because like seeing him, you almost wonder like it's like there was he has like every great line. It's like okay, I wonder if maybe that might have belonged to a different character, but it's like no, he's too good. Give it to him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's like every great line. I um, I. I want to say that
1: one thing about this movie as well that like that that didn't also take its time, I, I felt was more on the whole um, Ving Rhames, uh, uh, Kenneth. I I I really wanted Kenneth and Michael to have more scenes together. I felt like Michael was just a professor from Gilgan's Island. He's nothing there except for just to spout science and to be the smartest person there but offer nothing else at all like nobody likes their professor from gilligan's island because he's just like i made a ra- i made a radio through co- with coconuts and they and they're like oh how and he just goes oh you know science i'm a bland character you don't remember me you remember the you remember you know everybody else <laughs> you remember ginger and uh, and gilligan and you
2: really um, think you really think michael's a bland character like, i really
1: do i did not care about
2: him oh, all that time. No. i think he's the heart of the movie to be honest
1: i feel like I they, they his were trying to work. make yeah, I feel like that they were trying to make him that way, but I thought he was just kind of generic. Oh, no.
2: I don't know not at all. I, I think he's like, yeah, I think the, he's the 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 heart and humanity of the, the the whole movie actually, because he's try He's like that reluctant leader. He's like the Rick Grimes, and he's trying I to think, pull everything oh, I, together. I,
0: I think I think that I'm with I'm with Tyler and with you, Paul, because I think that they wanted him to be that. Yeah. and the actor's really good, but there was just not enough there for him to do to do it like in terms of the leader like he has a couple great moments where he kind of manipulates cj in the beginning and then obviously he gets the the best sort of death sequence where he stands in the dock as he's been bitten and he can't go with them and he wants and, to see the sign one more last time you know, like, yeah He but he does you don't like again i just i cite where like they gave him that one like the character is just too i think it then but it does push too much into yeah. that territory of like He's almost like the exposition machine too. Yep, and that yes. hurts that, the that character That's what, what I was kind like, of yeah. I was like, I have to explain what this is so that the audience knows what it is, kind of thing. And I think, oh no, I,
2: I completely disagree.
0: That, that's essentially I what I was trying mean, to say
1: was exposition. I Just couldn't think of the word. Like, when I, I, I didn't mean generic. I just meant he was, he was Mr. He was Mr. Exposition.
2: Out of all the out of all the characters, I think he's most like the conduit for the audience.
1: I think with a more... stronger script, I would have felt the same way. I feel like that's
2: that's what's what it is.
0: When I was um, listening to that, I always wonder if there is a stronger script because I feel like there are some nuggets, and some really good didn't things James here. Did like
2: bow out at a certain point?
0: Well, and it was rewritten. There was like I mentioned the guys that there was uh, two writers that did rewrites on it. It was yeah. Um, I mean, a lot,
1: a lot of movies have have rewrites. You know, like um, Frank
0: and Michael Tolkien. Uh, but there was these are uncredited rewrites, so that usually yeah. implies something else, and probably you know f- like uh, a writer's guild sort of maybe mm-hmm. behind the scenes battle for credit as well
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy credits when it comes to um rewrites where like again just because it's rewritten doesn't mean that they rewrote the entire script there could have been key scenes that they were hired to rewrite completely um a weird one is charlie kaufman from like adaptation and uh all those other really depressing films from spike jones uh was brought in to do rewrites for Kung Fu Panda 2. That is not a lie. and it Oh, is, man. It's he has this part out.
2: We need to... <laughs> Kung Fu Panda 2. I, I,
1: I don't know. What I'm saying is that I still see a lot of James Gunn in this movie, especially with the baby birth. And I also feel like the whole... Um, them getting to the, the breaker, like that whole thing, to me, screamed James Gunn, especially if you've watched Slither. Um... There are a lot of parts in this movie that scream James Gunn right. to me. And also the ending. I
2: think the dinner sequence, I think that's that seems like James Gunn. I think he's very good at character dynamics and character interactions. And so um I I definitely think the, the, the scenes where they're together. Like I think the, the scene when they're on the roof and Andy's shooting like Jay Leno, like zombie Jay Leno. Oh a thousand and percent. That scene totally. is fucking fantastic. That's like one of the best scenes of the movie. And that's totally a James Gunn thing.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. That—that's all I meant though. Like, I think like they had two rewriters, but I don't think that they rewrote. Like, I don't. I honestly don't think. I cannot imagine that they made like an insane amount of of uh, of changes to it. As you know,
2: so. and I also think that like if um, I mean, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I think if he was more, if they didn't do the rewrites and it was like completely, he was on board one hundred percent from the beginning. To the end, I think the movie would have been stronger as a horror movie. We also um, don't know think,
1: because this was his first real Hollywood film. Yeah, like, like what yeah, Paul, uh, Josiah said before, everything else he made was like not smut, but like it was. <laughs>
0: oh, he was coming up in trauma, which yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not. I, I mean, I think of it this way:
2: Zach, Zach Snyder works better with a lower budget um, because he's he he's has that like sort of like the he kind of like he, you know he came from commercials and he was like uh he he is more of the like the indie director sensibilities and then when he's given a bigger budget he has, like oh well here's all these toys let me play with them and it it doesn't really work so i think that i actually um, may
1: disagree with you because my favorite movie of his is still legends of the guardians owls of the kahool which was pretty expensive for an animated film and it's gorgeous still, like early it's, it's oh so good
2: um <laughs> i just think that like, 300, I think, is an amazing film. That's, that's my favorite film of his. And there is some restraint in that. And I think... I just think that the, the source material needs to match his sensibilities. And I don't think Batman and Superman do that. I don't think he understands them. Watchmen, sort of. But, um, like, I think he'd be better off doing something maybe like um, like Spawn, maybe. Or like something like Sin City. Um, even Preacher would be a good... I would actually like, very... actually.
1: I think you hit it. I think I think he would be actually not Spawn. I would give him Blade, honestly. Blade is oh, so yeah. ridiculous. Blade, Blade, I think he I actually think has, that he would make a pretty good Blade movie if the studio was like here are restrictions. Please don't they like, just like just make
2: the movie, but like don't mess these things yeah, up. He has, <laughs> he has like the sensibilities of like a darker character, like somebody that and I think that's why 300 works so well cuz Frank Miller has like I, I, I don't know. it's just like it, it's. Well, the uh,
1: book is very small and very short, so it's not. It, it's yeah. not a very long book. So the movie definitely had to take its uh, its time on things.
2: Yeah, it's just that's the thing. It's like you match the director to a good source material that really works with him. It's like uh, you know Martin Scorsese can do a movie like The Irishman, but he couldn't necessarily do something that Tarantino does. You know. Um certain movies work to people's sensibility, a certain source material. Like uh and so I just think that I think Zack Snyder's like super talented and uh, I just don't think they matched him with something yeah. like after I think maybe after Legends of Google or whatever. I've, I haven't seen it. I heard it was really good. But after that, well, that was 2010. Really that he was, so he, he was already
1: that was halfway through his career. That was right that was before was kind of Man like, of if Steel. you think
0: about it, that was like his his kind of peaking, in a sense. Like, at least, because like, I think we think this movie is at least, at the very least, good. All of us. We yeah, don't know what Watchmen
1: was before Legend of Gohul. Yeah, I I think that's like the Watch whole...
0: and Watchman has things that work, things definitely things yeah. that don't, but it, it, it's it, it's kind of yeah, after that that it's kind of like cuz right after Legend of the Cool uh, what 2000 that's 2010 which I have not seen myself, then Sucker Punch happens. Yeah. And I think what uh, what we talked about at length on the Sucker Punch episode was Zack Snyder with sort of the proper restrictions and restraints and people or but uh, maybe producers or whoever or writer that can kind of focus him in the right direction. It's it's a he's just this beaming force of talent that yeah. gets gets distracted by flashing lights. And I think and it's a whole that's... thing with like
1: wh- i think we talked about it too on sucker Punch, or if not, I talked about somebody else and like on Man of Steel, it was supposed to be a Nolan Snyder thing and Nolan just like disappeared. So it was essentially Zack Snyder doing like double work kind of as like a producer. Like essentially yeah goyer and from, from
0: my understanding though uh nolan's only involvement in that w- by the intention was he actually set up uh david goyer with the studio yeah uh to make his version of superman and that was and he was then credited as a producer he wasn't really meant to be involved
1: oh okay. and i saw
0: and i saw and i was at a q a where that's what i mean uh, to be fair he said it at the q a Q&A publicly i was at a q a where that is what christopher nolan said Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that I, I was a Q and a, it was after dark Knight had come out before dark Knight rises. Yeah. And they were talking yeah. about what, what's your involvement with man of steel. He said, well, my man, my involvement was, he basically characterized it as I set up a meeting so that David Goyer, cause he said, David Goyer had a vision that I really liked. And I thought that it would be good that if this vision, so he basically, he was, you guys should make this version of this film because I, I think it's yeah. good. And he was the,
1: but, and put my name on it because that would drive audiences
0: exactly yeah. and then that'll, and that will help get it made and help you sell tickets and that was i that was yeah do you do you think list.
1: for do you think for Don of the dead that they actively even though romero was completely screwed over um I, I would say if he didn't get a dime from this movie do you think that the studio at least sought after him to at least be a part of it at all because um, I mean, they give him they gave him credit. He, he okayed the credit for created by George R. Romero because they have the choice of of saying, hey, don't don't credit me for creating this, um, which has been done before with people who like, you know, it's like Stephen King has said that in a couple of things where he's like, do not put my name on this, please. I don't care if it's based on a book or not. Um, so, like, I mean, what do you think?
0: He didn't get any money for it. I don't know. He it was based on his. It said you know his credit is based on his screenplay, I think is how it's, the, the credit is. So that that I wonder if that is isn't any kind of interesting caveat. It's not based on the film. It's based on the screenplay. If that means anything, that's I just happen to notice that in the credits. Um, I don't. I don't know. i it's, it's, it, Go ahead, Paul.
2: I'm surprised to bring you on bring him on as like a creative consultant or something like that. You know,
0: he wouldn't have even touched it. He'd like, he, like, like, I read that quote. He didn't want it to be made. And he, and like he said, he had nothing against it, but, and you got to understand going way back to, and we've talked about this on the Dawn episode with Night of the Living Dead. He didn't make money off of that. And, and there was, uh, like I'm doing research specifically for a video I'm going to work on, on George Romero's, uh, failed Resident Evil film. I'm going to be hopefully launching right around the same time. This episode is released to all you fine people in the world. And in that research, he talks, uh, I read, I wrote some quotes where, and it's funny because it it intersected with this film because they were all being kind of developed near the same time. And so he talked about how, in the 90s especially, he didn't think he would ever get to make that next uh, like Night of Living Dead movie because there were too many fingers in the financial pie. So the money for the previous movies was a mess because they were all like the first movie, you know, they lost the copyright because of a weird law at the time. The second movie, Rubenstein kind of owned it and possessed it. The third one, I think that Rubenstein also produced a third one that even got to, you know remade with direct-to-video garbage a few years after this oh wow and, oh it's terrible but uh that's fun. <laughs> and it's it's that one is like this one is like a remake um, sort of loosely where it's like name and setting that one is even less so where it's like just name <laughs> really with day of the dead so but what happened was he like i think that that was a factor and he just he was have nothing to do with it and he'd also spent like all of the 90s working with studios trying to get things made he had a deal with New Line Cinema like a a development deal for like 10 years and nothing got made and you know here you're talking about him his background as any filmmaker he writes something he finds some money they make it maybe they don't have all the money in the world that they want to but they make it happen so I think that he was pretty burnt out with the studios, even though it was, I think, uh, Land of the Dead did end up being a Fox production, so it was still with a big studio, but he was just, I think, burnt out with the studio stuff, and I don't think he would touch touched it. I mean, you could argue that like, if a money truck got backed up to his house, but I don't think he wanted anything to do with it. Like, I just don't think he did. They they may have approached him, and like, hes you know, they kind of wanted his blessing, and he was like, you know, that quote was, I have nothing against it, but I don't think they should be making it.
1: <laughs> so... One thing, I guess now I'll, I'll talk about it. You know, as we're kind of, I don't, I don't know, if we're, you know, reaching the end of the of the episode, but I finally now want to talk about the baby scene. Um, I do not like gore, not because it like disgusts me or anything like that. It's just it's not entertainment to me. I, I don't. It's never entertaining. Like I, I think Saw one. Tells a different story that has very graphic stuff in it. There are horror movies that have very graphic gory things in it, but it works with the story or works with the situation at hand. I really am torn in between. I think that the pacing was done very well for this thing, but I think with a so many, so many elements of us not caring about Micaiah Pfeiffer's character or her character at all to begin with. Um, And also, like it, it got to a point where he would speak for the wife, and you just know, okay, she got bit, and it was. It got to a point where it was obvious. It still, it was hard for me to watch both times. I, it was like too much for me. And even though you don't even see the birth, you don't see much, and you see the baby for like I think one shot. It still was like I don't know. It's it was just too much for me. And I don't get queasy from movies or anything at all. I just thought it was insane how much it was and it was a total tonal shift even though i know it's a very james gunn thing from like slither and super and a couple other weird movies that he's made um it, it it matched his like you know his mo but like it still i wasn't really prepared for it even though even though i knew it was coming and yeah it really like messed me up and i don't and that's the thing is i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know if that's something that the movie did well or did poorly because i was disgusted and hated it but it still stuck with me and i'm talking about it so it's like is that did it succeed or did it fail
0: so i'm going to speak as a father that witnessed one of his two children being born um one year ago my daughter primrose was born and it is a bloody bloody affair it is like real birth so watching that sequence if if you're gonna have a zombie be born it's gotta be gory because there's blood and it's it's terrifying even when we were watching it judy is like watching it with me and she's kind of freaked out these are you know this is not her style of movie and watching that sequence having given birth herself i was like oh that's what prim looked like and i was half joking but you know when the baby comes out they look don't say that don't ever say that (laughs) That but no but i mean like I'm gonna say this, they look dead. They because they don't have oxygen in their blood yet. They're blue, and they they and it's it's it was like and when you have never seen that before, and they're coming like that's a that that scared me honestly when I saw my daughter. And then and then you know that's why they slap the baby and they cry and they get all that stuff going. But that first like split second, it's super terrifying. Because there's Paul, there's... could you Paul,
1: could you imagine like Josiah watching this movie? And then he him getting the call where it's like, oh, uh, you know, your baby's being born right now. <laughs> and then you going the
2: and so weird. <laughs> just yeah, like... I can't even imagine.
0: <laughs> um. So, but anyway, that one one of the things All I right. want to say about the sequence, the gore, like throughout the movie, the gore is just it's there excessively. That's what the movie kind of has. It's it's a it's a it's a splatter fest in terms of you know it's an action splatter movie like i kind of i'm kind of reframing how i think it uh thanks to like i think it's the gore i think
1: it's just like how like uh, i'll say it straight up makai Pfeiffer's performance is phenomenal like he just sells it he's so gone like i i feel like i don't mean it's just the gore it's like everything it's just the situation is disgusting and horrific makai Pfeiffer's performance is so good because he's just like so happy, and you're just like, "Dude, come on, man, like no uh, so and...
0: that's where I wanted to be different right so first of all i I read things that that sequence was supposed to be even worse. The baby was supposed to be a little like kill of the family and stuff, and kind of kind of basically the baby was supposed to be i think maybe like a reference to the daughter in the original night living dead, you know that killed the mom and uh stuff in the basement, um but I think what I really think would have been interesting is if you really go deep say sure it's maybe it's still a zombie baby but it's weak because it's it's a baby baby's born it can't do anything it's like it doesn't know how to do things and he she the mom dies in the birth and he's trying to care for this creature that would have been interesting that he's in secret to me caring for his child which is a tiny little zombie oh he so didn't where... want the old
1: lady to come in or anything at all no what yeah like, like it what, like, oh. what could
0: have been the like the what, what could have been what ma- could have made this movie different and really examine something that we haven't seen before in a zombie scenario like affection for this thing that is uh,
1: i feel like uh, that would been very unbelievable because everybody would want to see the baby and like that that seeing a baby is way harder uh it, it don't, like don't you know hiding a baby as opposed to a pregnant woman like you know you can just say she doesn't want to see anybody she's you know she doesn't want to be near light and like that like people will understand that but when you get to a point like oh yeah you can't see my wife and you can't see my baby people and and, and everyone's just like okay you're clearly hiding something because there's zombies everywhere and clearly she's a zombie because we just killed that old guy over there like you know what i'm talking about like
0: you know, I, I if would, you don't know the you don't know the baby's born necessarily, and I mean this movie, you're you're applying a little bit too much logic to this movie. I mean, yeah, I later saying, in the movie, a, a on the escape woman, sequence, yeah, every a, single character becomes like a gun expert. Yeah, you know? and, and, we, and, and a, a woman goes have,
1: into a zombie to go save a stupid dog,
0: and we don't have like even a two second sequence where it shows Kenneth teaching them how to use the guns. They just all know how to use the guns, yeah. and like reload yeah, them like perfect shots, the yeah. perfect Mary Sue. <laughs>
2: I honestly think that the sequence doesn't work at all. Um, I think it could actually have been edited out, and then I think the movie would be better. Um, because I think the only way it would it would have worked if if they developed Macai Fi- Pfeiffer's Piper's character um, much more in the beginning, It'd be somebody who's sympathetic, and like if you made him maybe like one of the stronger characters, like if you made him like in the original like somebody like Roger, where he is like the strong character and people look up to him. And then he slowly goes insane. And that's the payoff of him going insane. I think that's would would work really well. But because you don't have that in the beginning and like the like Pfeiffer's like his, or his, Andre, his character's Andre is so underwritten. It doesn't work at all. And I think it should have been just edited out. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, I, I think I honestly, uh, whenever I see this movie, I'm just like, oh, there's that sequence. Uh, they should
1: I think Get it I, over with. I mean, I think it's I think it's smarter than put it in because uh to leave it in because I remember when people were talking about this movie, that's what they talked about the most. It yeah, was exactly. it was, was a word of it. Was was a word thing. of like... mouth scene. <laughs> this is the
0: moment yeah like because even judy this was the thing from the movie that grabbed her because like she was lost with the characters and 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 didn't care about the characters but she's like oh my god the baby's a zombie and sure i agree with what paul's saying as to why but i I agree the the problem with the movie is like i said earlier it feels like literally these we meet andre and, and 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 the wife
2: oh luda luda luda
0: Luda, so there you go. Paul for the, gets the points on that one, but the point—the uh, I have the, all the points. <laughs> the point <laughs> being here, my point being, is that they feel like just more characters that were put in the movie to pay off a moment that would sell tickets down the line, and maybe it worked. And but at the same time, it just felt like a lot of those things and those characters were just here so that they could die. Like, oh, okay, we have we need three security guards because. We need one to die in that part where they're going down to, you know, turn on the generator. Okay. And we need one of them to fall in love with the girl. Like there's the, yeah. And the problem is like, I feel like that none of the characters are get any of that time. And, and it's just, yeah, no one is developed really, truly. I agree other than with, with the exceptions of what we said and even them, it's just, just enough. And then something happens, you know?
2: You know, like for me, I think what's um, – I just think that scene wasn't very effective. And I understand it drew some buzz to the movie and, uh, and you know, made it more – and made it profitable. But I think something like that, uh, yeah, it doesn't really work. I think what's actually something that's more effective, in my opinion, was um, Ken uh, his cameo as that pastor that's, like, where it kind of – the camera pushes in, and he's like, you know – He's talking about how humanity's just, like, corrupt or whatever. And uh, I think that scene kind of built more of a creepier atmosphere than than the whole zombie baby thing. I don't know. I felt the zombie baby thing was kind of a gimmick. Oh, yeah. Totally is. But it's a selling People point that right. latched onto, to. But it it's like didn't really do anything for the story. And I think it made the movie weaker in, in, in a sense. But um,
1: uh, I will say this. I watch that one twilight movie just for that vampire baby scene that everybody was talking about because i wanted to and it was totally worth it because it's it's a, it's a shit show and it is a lot of fun watching that shitty movie and to get to that scene i, I i'm just
2: saying like it, by the way that kind of if draw, we do an episode of twilight i'm out <laughs> like if we do twilight i can't i'm out of that episode It was
1: funny. We were talking about this on a different podcast. Um, Twilight is not as bad. uh, Watching it, one thing: the cast is phenomenal in it. Like the casting. Hold
2: on. Have you seen all of them?
1: I've only seen the first and the fourth or third, whatever the one with the baby with the baby's born. You know, and I also like Anna Kendrick and Michael Sheen and Dakota Fanning. So screw it, I'll watch it. And you know, I I think whatever. I mean, I, I think like going back to this movie. Though, um, my biggest gripe for the movie is the editing, but again, first time director in a movie where a budget gets slashed because of a failure of another movie with the same genre. Um, I understand, and I can, I think, I think I can forgive this movie. What I can't forgive is the fact that I bought this movie in full screen, and I think we should all write Zack Snyder a letter telling him the, how it's his fault and just kidding um but yeah no um, that's
2: on you i don't know what you were you saw <laughs> the pan and scam label in there and you purchased it you handed your money <laughs> over that's on you man <laughs> like just like as i'm complaining about twilight like that's on me for watching yeah, that movie. but
1: um I, th- I think that's that's my final thought though i think the movie is a little bit jumbled i think it has an identity crisis however I think that the I think the fast zombies work enough. It's not as effective as um as 20 day, days or, or weeks later, but they're fine. I would have liked to see a, more of them slow in the couple fast. Like I said, like, I think like depending on how people, you know, took care of their bodies, that would have been a cool thing to introduce into this movie because you don't need everybody running. And uh, I think also the characters were just too stupid. Uh, The woman going towards the dog to the dog. The guy with the chainsaw when the when the bus is getting pushed over. It's just it's so stupid. It it gets to a point where it's just too stupid and it's too aggravating. And Makai Pfeiffer's character was just so forgettable, except for one scene that he's not even the focus of. Um, And he's uh, what people are watching for. They're watching for the baby to see the baby to see that one that one shot. Um and I think Sarah Polly was phenomenal. I think Ving rames is great, and I think he had a a phenomenal performance and a good arc. Um, like I said, I think Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, for a first time directing, did a good job with specific characters, and I think maybe helped him. Or I can see now why he gravitated towards characters who were kind of like Ving rames's character and Polly's character, and maybe even Michael's character, even though I think Michael's lines and being was just not a good payoff and i don't think it was i think he, sh- he should have been written better i think he was just so generic and so all about he was just exposition and um i would have liked to see a little more cj and i think michael kelly's a great actor and ty burrell kicked ass as a ba- as an asshole so those are my final thoughts in this movie i would probably give this a six out of ten but i would never i think now i will never watch that birth scene again <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I want to say this, like I think this movie is uh the first zombie film that is really informed by video games. I know that Resident Evil came out before this. I know House of the Dead came out before this. Those are based on video games. But this is the first movie that there's parts of this that felt a lot like Resident Evil. The sequence in the sewer and stuff, and those sequences in the city, that really felt like Resident Evil 2. The beginning of Resident Evil 2, especially when you when you come through the back alleys and you make your way to the gun shop and eventually you find your way to the police station. Oh, that's so funny, yeah. I thought those the same thing too. But I thought that the, the, yeah. the interesting thing about this movie, it's the first movie that actually so borrows backwards from those things and brings those into the movie. And it's the first, even though, again, Resident Evil houses that are based on video games, this to me is the first video game zombie movie. And I think that's where it works. And I think like what Paul said is this is really more an action movie and it works better as an action movie as a horror movie. It's, it's, you know, jump scares and, and, and bad and over the top gore with the birth sequence and other sequences. But when you kind of think of it as a, a, as an action movie, it's fun. It's, it's, it's just, that's when it's enjoyable. And I kind of view it through that guys. It's hard to, we we haven't done this too much, and I'm proud of us. We it's hard not to look at this movie and think of the original, Dawn of the Dead, because the dawn the original Dawn of the Dead has so much to say. And the interesting thing is, I almost feel like if you were to remake this movie again today, with. Post-COVID, you know, when we can go out again, sort of reflecting on this time when you can't go to places, when everything is closed down, when malls have already been dying off and more and more of those big empty malls, those malls are becoming big, big empty places. Like if you if you made this movie now, you'd go into a mall where like the storefronts are all empty and then like ones like, you know, a church rents that one out. And the one over here is, you know, like a crappy bookstore and the GameStop. That's the mall now. Like, it's a totally different movie. Interesting enough, there's a there's a mall in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Mills, uh, that was going to be built for, like, since I was a kid, this was the big deal. They're finally going to build it. They finally built it in the early 2000s, right? Probably around when this movie came out. It was huge, had all these big stores, immediately, like, died. It's still there, but all the big stores are gone. It know, reminds like, me every- of
1: Garden Walk in Anaheim, like...
0: Yeah, 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 no, it's totally the same kind of thing. Cool to walk around,
1: yeah. but ghost town.
0: Yeah, and it can't keep those good stores for whatever, you know, reason. It's, it's the same thing at this mall. And interestingly enough, this year, that mall is, it's somehow because of COVID, They there's this thing called the Scare House in Pittsburgh, which is like a haunted house experience. They're actually doing it in the mall. But it could be a really cool thing if done well, but I'm sure they can't because of COVID restrictions and other things. But that to me says, like, oh my gosh, there's your zombie movie right there, that it has it has something to say. And this movie, unfortunately,
1: doesn't. I actually think that this movie could be remade and done. I, I think they could. I think somebody could no, make I'm saying, this
0: movie. I, I'm, I'm saying you totally could, but I'm saying I'm glad Uh-oh. that this version doesn't try to be the deep philosophical uh, okay. thing. It doesn't try to be the, the social commentary. It's just... A fun yeah. action movie. And when I view it like that, I can enjoy it a lot
1: more. Being Rames versus zombies.
0: I think it's very smart
2: that they did that because then it would invite comparisons to the original Dawn of the Dead, you know, if they focused heavily on the social commentary. But I think it's a good – it was actually a, a smart move on their part to make it more action-oriented. And um, and, and as far as, like – you know, because at that time, like the Fast Zombies was kind of a thing. And so it's cool. it's, 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 it was kind of good to update it with that low sensibilities. I definitely think that, you know, in maybe 20 years, they probably could do a a remake again and kind of comment on, like, everything that's happened with COVID. Um, In fact, you know, uh, the funny thing is one part that really actually, and I don't want to get too political or anything, but one part that really resonates with me is actually when they're on the roof and they have the SOS sign and they see a military helicopter fly by and they're waving it down and it just, like, flies away. Like, it doesn't even acknowledge them or anything like that. That totally feels like 2020 for the mill. You know, like, but the government's not even doing shit. It's like, you know, and it's interesting. Like, that's an interesting thing to see in that movie, where in 2004, you know, 2004 was a very different time than it is now. Um, so it's interesting to have that. I think that was a a, a nice touch, like a good idea.
0: 2019, 2019 was a very different time than it is now. To be fair, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so no, totally, totally be, no, just, so yeah, yeah, Twenty
2: twenty much the fucking dumpster fire fuck this year, absolutely,, <laughs> my,
0: <laughs> uh, my final question is, uh, let's talk about the credit sequence, so in the original film they they talk a lot about getting to this island, and we've talked about in that episode for the seventy eight dawn we talk about the original ending and how it was very bleak, and everybody dies. this movie. <laughs> It it goes there in the credits. What do you guys think of that?
2: I'll let Tyler go first. I have a lot to say about
1: (laughs) It was edited so horribly, it actually hurt my eyes. Um I've never had anything besides Incredibles 2 where it made me think I was gonna have a seizure. It kinda got to a point where I was watching it. It was cut way too fast and way too much and way too much um, you know, sky blue to red, like really quickly, and then back to black to for the credits. Um it was not effective at all. I, I, it was stupid. Like, have it at the end where you see directed by, and then it glitches and does it like right then and there. Don't do it like after like 10 people have been credited already because now it's officially, it's, it's, it's before Marvel. Like, nobody, like, n- the movie's over. <laughs> you know, like, Nick Fury didn't show up in the end. So, like, it was all for nothing for, I feel like that's 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 it
2: oh okay i'm actually um I, it's interesting you brought up the titles because i'm actually gonna comment on both the opening and the ending titles i think the opening titles are fucking fantastic johnny cash playing when the man comes around oh yeah the titles and it really sets a really like great atmosphere about like the state of the world and what's going on with the zombie apocalypse and it follows like i would say that opening with 10, 15 minutes or something with Sarah Pauli and she sees like the zombies running the house and she's like escaping and, you know, you see the, the, the Donna dead helicopter overhead. And then, uh, you know, she, all that, all that whole sequence is fucking fantastic. And like probably it some of the best zombie movie sequence in like all zombie movies. I really, I think it's so strong. Um, and then to I cap it off with, with the Johnny agree. cash when the men comes around, like it's such, it's such, a, such a great, tone and you see the news footage of like how the world's falling apart that's so great um and so i think the opening title like that whole is so effective in establishing it as, as a horror film and like i think it's so strong um the end titles however take away from the ending i think it was great to end with michael saying you guys i, I have to you know i'll watch the sunrise and you know he he kills himself because he got bit And, uh, you know, it it closes on Sarah Polly's face as, you know, she's she found somebody she fell in love with in the zombie apocalypse. And she's losing essentially like another uh, partner again. She lost her husband and now she lost somebody that's uh, that she loves again. And so it it kind of comes full circle at at, at the very last moment. And so if you ended there and just had the titles, whatever, perfect the fact that you add all the other stuff makes it like, it takes away from that really um, really impactful ending. And I think what makes this movie, what will make this movie stronger is if you don't have a definitive answer of well, did they get to the island? Did they survive? Like you kind of left, it's left to the imagination. Uh, kind of like the original Donna did. And I think that would have been stronger as an ending than, you know, showing all that footage because it didn't it totally detracted from the ending and it made it like, you know, it, it diminished the movie, you know, in in many ways.
1: I, I, a thousand percent agree with that as well. I also just think it was edited. So, but I, 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 maybe if it was done better, Then maybe I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But yeah, I hated it. There's a
0: lot. Yeah, the 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 way it was edited, Tyler doesn't help. A bad idea. It makes a bad (laughs) idea worse for sure. Because then even like the credits, it was like it was almost disorienting. In in, in, like extra so because credit would come, a credit would come, and then the sequence would come, and then back to the same credit. And I'm like, well, why not just go to the next credit? Like, yeah, just like have it be like. Ugh, did it not anyway. hurt y'all? Did it not hurt y'all's
1: eyes either? Because again, like I literally like had to like look away and like was just like Incredibles too. I was like worried. I was like, am I going to start having a seizure? At and, that like, point, I
0: probably and, be honest. I was probably like halfway in my notes just because it's the end of the movie and I'm probably uh, jotting things down, which yeah, probably and helped and me. Not, and I'm not trying
1: to joke. I'm, I'm like being serious. Out. I I legitimately was like having that feeling that I would assume because I've never had a seizure before, but like. That in Incredibles 2, I had this weird sensation where everything kind of, like, I felt lightheaded all of a sudden. And then my eyes, it, it felt like my eyes were shaking when I didn't want them to. But I was seeing, but I was looking straight. It was weird. I didn't like it. I really didn't like it.
0: But what I want to talk about, uh, the like, the concept side of it. I felt like exactly what Paul said. It really destroyed one of the best moments and probably the best moment in the film, maybe uh, other than the, you know, gun store, Andy stuff, the best moment in the film was him standing on that dock. And, you know, emotionally I'm like, Oh man, I'm really with him. And I'm with the Sarah Pauly character. Like, you know, yep. all the things Paul said with uh, Anna's character, Sarah Pauly's character, Anna, like I'm, I'm there. And then it just takes that away. Like, or yeah. it, like, I'm, I'm almost okay with them having some flip where it ends badly. If they just then have one thing where it ends badly, not like the whole like they find his video camera and it's Ty Burrell with naked girls, and then then the group being really annoying, it's like all of a sudden also, that like,
1: battery would be dead too. By the yeah, way,
0: yeah, it's all of a sudden it's like a bad found footage movie in the credits, like. But but at the same time, oh, they're do in you the,
1: do you think do you think that, that was that like reference? Sorry, I, I the, do you think that that could have been influenced by Blair Witch?
0: I would say not Blair Witch, but in the the '90s, zombie film was really relegated to like sea level, like camcorder cinema was what zombie films were at the time, and I think uh, this was a reference to okay. that filmmaking as opposed to Blair Witch. Yeah, there was a
2: lot of like found okay. footage stuff in that time period. I remember.
0: Yeah, but zombie specifically really went into it, and I think uh, I didn't so know I, that. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. So it I was think like even zombie. like
2: what Survival of the Dead, which I remember he he had a, a it was all. That, well, that, was,
0: that was several years later, yeah. though. I mean, where he kind of jumped on I'm, board. I'm just saying that.
2: it's like during that time period, there was a trend of like found footage movies. And so maybe that's what kind of inspired that or something.
0: Well, I mean, you're talking, though, with Survival of the Day, Well, that was like 2009 or 10. So that was four years after this movie. But even
2: before that, there was like a trend of.
0: Yeah. And I'm talking about, stuff. but specifically within zombie cinema in the 90s, it was a big thing mm-hmm. for camcorder shot zombie movies that kind of had that vibe like almost on un- mostly unwatchable things really like that's I, crazy it's truly that's crazy stuff. to me no so, but i think he, like what paul's saying is right and what you say what you said tyler blair which i'm sure on some level had an influence but i think it's um like i said the problem with me is that i would almost be okay with just the sequence where you get to the island then you see all the zombies as like a flip but you the fact that you have like 20 segments leading up to that that that's where it's really like like i I don't like
1: it or like or like a mid-credit scene of them getting to the island and then they're just walking in and then like the camera like pans down and there's like a shit ton of blood in the water and then you're just like what does that mean and then it ends there like that like it could be like oh are they safe or are they not you know
0: yeah. Or like just, I think, yeah, something maybe more ambiguous would have been more powerful, but I think nothing would have been the best choice. <laughs> I, think, I I mean, that's just. Yeah, what. no,
2: absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think the ending with Michael, I think that was a perfect way to end it. And uh, again, it, it, narratively, it goes full circle with Sarah Polly's character, you know, um, and then just adding all that stuff doesn't really like help the movie in any way. It doesn't help the narrative. It doesn't, it detracts from it. and. Um, I think, like like Tyler said, you know, the editing is, is really like an issue. And I think it's, that's a lot to do with it. And, you know, and also the timing thing. It's like, you know, if you're an editor and you see the movie, you have to understand what serves the movie the best. Is it this, this emotional ending with Michael or is it this found footage nonsense? And, you know, the editor made a choice and he made a poor choice. <laughs> and, yep. you know, it, it kind of diminishes At the At least he tried. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, you know, but the whole thing, I I imagine, like, as as an editor, you're supposed to play the movie's strengths. Exactly. And really make the footage, like, you know, work well. And so when you kind of tack on, it's like if you're building a house and you tack on, like, this shitty third floor. You know what I mean? Like, you attach some kind of, and it kind of detracts from the whole house if you, you, like, shakily add this addition to it. I would have said wood paneling on a car. Or, yeah, like, something like that. Like, it doesn't, like, incongruous. Like you kind of ruin the whole thing because you add something that really doesn't belong. And so I just think, you know, know when to end your film, you know, (laughs) like you, you have a good ending and just leave it at that. Like, don't like, and that's the problem with Zack Snyder is like, he's so prone to excess and he really needs somebody to kind of rein him in and kind of tone down the sensibilities because if they do, um, I, I think he's actually a really like talented filmmaker. He's a, v- a great visual artist, um, and I want to say too, needs... it, was,
0: it was it was functionally edited by uh, Niven Howie is the name of the actual editor, but it is also an editor working at the behest of the director, which is what Paul can continue on. I just want to sort of differentiate between the action person who functionally edits a film and the person who directs that editor and how
2: to edit. (laughs) Zack Snyder just needs um, some restraint. And then I think he'd be a much more effective filmmaker overall. And uh, he needs uh, his check. Like he is talented, but he just needs the sensibilities in check. And I think, I think he's like kind of like George Lucas, that if he has people that are not yes men that, that that, that, like challenge him a little bit, I think it would make him a stronger director. Um but, you know, like, like with when he did Justice League and Batman Superman, he had, I don't know, 250 million or he had like 10 times the budget of this movie. And so he just went ape shit, you know, and the consequences are, uh, you know, when I saw Man of Steel, I was like in distress. Like I had a anxiety attack just watching like Metropolis crumble and like all this, you know, destruction and. I was like, "Holy shit! Are they really doing this? Like, this is this is like distressing." Because you, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I I like early Zack Snyder a lot. I, I love Three Hundred. In fact, I recently bought it on on four K, and I love that movie so much. I, I I like early Zack Snyder, but the more the older Zack Snyder is, like, kind of off the rails a little bit. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's,
1: hey, it's true know. though. It, you're totally right though. Honestly.
0: Well, it's like it's like the success of those sort of moderately budgeted films, 300, um, even Watchmen wasn't a huge, huge budget movie. It was, I mean, a big budget comparative, but it wasn't like, what do you know with Man of Steel and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that he would get into. So it's those moderately budgeted movies that I guess kind of maybe provide some more restraint naturally due to the budget is helpful to the execution in a way, weirdly.
2: And like another another example is like uh, Josh Trank, like he made Chronicle, and that was an amazing movie, A low budget movie. And then when he made Fantastic Four, it was like a total shit show. And I, I, also, said,
1: I, I also hear he's just a terrible person to work with, and he's just also like I don't know about. I mean, Chron- I, mean I think I think Chronicle is a completely different beast than I would say anything that Zack Snyder has had access to. In all honesty. Yeah.
2: I'm just saying that some people, when they have more, like, limited um, resources, like, your creativity comes out, the resourcefulness comes out, and they make a better film. And when, when you know, you have infinity money, you know, for, like, a Batman movie, then you kind of just go apeshit and, you know, you kind of overdo it. Um, so, huh, okay. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, like and that's why I think Donald Den works so well is because, you know, they didn't have much of a budget, they didn't have much time to film it. They had, the, they, had,
1: they had their budget slashed, so yeah, it's absolutely yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I'm sorry, talking about the original one. The original George, George Romero. Oh, you I, know, he, yeah. No, that's fine. Um, he, you know, because he he was limited. Uh, what what's it? It's like I, there's a phrase. I have to Google it or something, but yeah, it, generally, like if you have if you have more limits, it, it seeks you to problem solve and like be more creative and figure out solutions to, uh, you know what. To, to, to tell a better story and and in, in a sense when you knew that it, it it makes a better film um overall uh so i i just think and so I think that's why Zack snyder's earlier films work better because he was a little bit limited and he didn't because by the by the time he after he did like uh well, by the time he did batman he was kind of a proven uh profitable director you know, and so they didn't really have- ex- executives like I'm checking him I don't think they, they really they're like oh well we believe in your vision you can do what you want
1: I think also because he had such a good relationship with Warner Brothers as well I think that's the other thing
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and, this and like, so this actually we're, we're talking about uh, this is the only film not with Warner Brothers I think right uh, this was with Universal everything else he's done with Warner Brothers so that says something just about his uh, relationship to work with them and also what it comes down to is it tells you that his films made money you know, that's really what drives it. Whatever that we think it, he's a critical Darling or not, his film's made money and that's you know, where the That's all the, that matters meets the road in the industry, really. Yeah, <laughs> Whether well, it can be artful you know, like, or not artful as long as it makes money.
2: And that's something like the band members, Superman and Justice League, like they made a lot of money. And even though we shit on it, it made a lot of money. It just didn't meet the expectations that we were hoping for. But it, they did make a lot of money. And so uh he is Again, he's he's a good director. I just wish that he had some kind of restraint or somebody that kind of can rein him in a little bit.
1: He can make a blockbuster and makes money, but he—I don't think he's a good director yet. I think that there, I think that he can be. Um, I don't know about the cider cut, but like, you know, it, we we don't know. he has done good things, like yeah, like Legends of Kahool, Watchmen, which is very polarizing. I I, I do like Watchmen. Like, I think there's, I can nitpick because I love the comics so much, but. It, that's that that that's that's a hard pill to
2: swallow for. I, mean, I, to make I Watchmen into A like, movie. I admire. I admire the the balls that he had to like make Watchmen because that's that's like I agree. The Bible of comic book fandom, like the Watchmen, that's like the, the the Holy Grail, and the fact that he um you know went out and made that movie, I think that's really uh, impressive and very ambitious. And so, I agree. Honestly, even though you know it's it's not uh what we were hoping for. In a Watchmen movie, I think it's the best Watchmen movie that was possible. You know, yeah, absolutely. But guess um, well, in
0: every Zack Snyder episode, we find ourselves kind of defending his work while we rip it apart, talking about his other work as we can't just well, talk yeah, about no. the I mean, which Which I would well, know. Let, let me go true. here. The fundamental essence is though he has something, he gives something, he does, that we can talk about these things and we talk about them and the breadth of his work. I think there's value in that. I think. You want to like his films, even when you can't, because there's always something to be found there. I don't hate any of his films, even the ones I dis kind of dislike. And I think that that there's something to that. There's something in that. So, any final thoughts? Kind of bringing us back around to I'm, I'm uh, done. Dawn of the <laughs> Dead. Any final thoughts on any final thoughts on Dawn of the Dead? I can't keep going. I have to be up in less than three hours to take my mom to the airport. Yeah. Oh shit. um
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 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 good. I'm
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. But uh
1: alrighty. Well, thanks so much, you guys. Uh Josiah, where can they find more Josiah stuff?
0: You can find me at Josiah's Right on uh YouTube. And I like I said here, I will be working on hopefully it'll be up right around the same time this comes out, a Resident Evil, a George Romero's Red Resident Evil video. What happened to George Romero's Resident Evil? Find me there, Josiah's right. And also, while I'm here, while I'm saying this, make sure you subscribe to this channel. Uh Guardians, the Guardians. <laughs> The, the, uh, my the Guardians right. of the right. Gathering. The guardians of the Gathering. We are the Guardians of the Gathering. The Grand Geek Gathering. and uh, so, um, YouTube, uh, wherever, wherever you listen to this, head over to YouTube, subscribe to that, subscribe to me, and you could be entered to win a t-shirt if you comment on this video or a the video version of this and a video of mine. You can win a Josiah's Right t-shirt, a Paul t-shirt. We have some fun Paul t-shirts we're going to throw at you from a t-shirt cannon. And please enter. Yeah. Help us grow that way. way. You can get something out of it, Lord. too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh Paul, where can they find you?
2: Uh on Instagram, uh arcade Blackfire. Not Blockfire. Blackfire. So it's
0: it. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the evil Paul's Blackfire. Awesome.
1: And, <laughs> and with and with oh, that that ends our month of horror. We will be back next episode doing normal films as well. But we I I think that we had a blast with this month and thank you for listening and you can check out all of our shows and offerings on thegrandgeekgathering.com where our articles, our other podcasts and videos and more, check us out on YouTube check us out on, Twi- on Twitch I have been on Twitch, we also have our own Discord as well, so inquire with us or just tweet at us and something like that, follow us on Twitter Instagram, Facebook, all the stuff have a wonderful week, wear a mask have a wonderful Halloween and GGG so show the
0: silver screen that change, you, Chase, you for me Grand